0: Welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. It's Thursday night, April 14th. Had a great day at Day Baseball today. Capping it up with some decent games tonight. Uh, Joining me tonight, I got Shane Stein. How you doing, Shane?
1: Uh, Good to be here, Matt.
0: And uh, Kyle Stromera. Kyle, how's it going, buddy?
2: It's going pretty well. Good to be back here.
0: It's always fun getting together, talking baseball, doing what we do best. Um, Make sure to find the podcast, Red Triangle Sports, on iTunes, SoundCloud, subscribe, rate review. Let us know how we're doing. Find us on Twitter at RedTriangle23. We're always tweeting out our podcasts. Let us know um, anything you guys want us to talk about as we get into the season here and away from our... Positional rankings, um, we want to be more fluid with what we're doing here during the week, kind of recapping games and performances and all the stuff that's going on um, on these busy, busy baseball days. So you know, I'm always looking forward to hearing listeners' feedback. Alright, speaking of those day games and even some games last night, um, just want to hear some things that happened recently that's fresh on your guys' minds um you know anything going on that's caught your interest here in the last couple days Kyle let's uh let's start with you buddy
2: well um you know I I we talked a little bit about me picking up um Adam Conley in our uh 16 team lead that we talk about often and honestly I was really happy to see uh his line the other day um you know, with those nine strikeouts, only giving up four hits um, through seven, so... uh, Sorry, through six, I apologize. So, I I was just happy to
0: see him throwing well after his first start was a little rough. Yeah, so 96 miles an hour, I think I saw from the left side, drawing some Chris Sale comps today. Um, Conley, you know, right when you picked him up, I told you that was a good pickup. He's the guy I was looking at, but didn't feel comfortable dropping anybody. I kind of went with Nicasio instead. Um, I think you may have found something there, and I know you're desperate for some pitching. So um, nice grab on Conley.
1: Yeah, six innings and 9Ks, you, you really got to be happy. I mean, at this point, we, we know your staff isn't isn't the strongest, but you find a guy like this, if he can put up any kind of production close to what he did yesterday, I mean, I, th- I think we could be on to something here with Conley. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he figured it out. Uh, he was good a few starts last year, but he might be poised for a little bit of a breakout this year, and obviously that would be some icing on the cake for you. Yeah, I was pretty excited to see that uh, uptick in velocity. I mean, you know, hitting 96
0: is is good from the left side, as we uh, already have mentioned here. Are we? I know we had kind of mentioned in, I think, March sometime that we had some concerns about the Mets as a group. I think these concerns are starting to pop up. Is it too soon to really get worried about the Mets offensively?
1: No, not at all. Uh, we talked about it a bunch of times in the in the offseason, and I just think there was a, too much hype around this team. I, I don't think they're as good as everyone thought they're going to be. Obviously, the pitching is is solid. I mean, they have a, a really really good starting rotation, but. You're gonna to have to score runs at some point, and the lineup just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I don't know. There's just not enough producers in that lineup for me. I don't think you can build your team around a guy like Yoenis Cespedes and and be happy with it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not overly concerned at this point. It's. I mean, it's obviously still early. I know there's not a lot of love from this podcast for the Mets uh, hitting, but. For how good their pitching is, I mean, you really don't need that many runs in a game. So, uh, I'm not overly concerned. I think if they find themselves in need of a bat, they might make a move, and you know, I think they'd be aggressive if they needed to, the way they were with uh, Sastanis in the past. The
0: the thing that kind of does concern me though about the Mets' offense is it's it's going to be really streaky. A lot of their players kind of have that tagline of being streaky hitters. You know, Granderson, Duda. Cespedes um, Cabrera yeah Cabrera <laughs> I really think they need someone to step up and you know giving David Wright regular bats mixing Conforto in and out I I, I don't see this ending well um, but as you mentioned Kyle I think we'd be remiss if we don't talk about Noah Syndergaard here talking about guys the last couple nights that have really impressed that was fun to watch him and Jose go toe to toe um, how high has Syndergaard kind of vaulted in your guys' mind in number one, you know, number one guys in the fantasy landscape?
1: Well, just watching his first couple starts this year, he has the best stuff in the major leagues. I think, I think it's fair to say, I mean, I don't know. He looks like he's throwing wiffle balls up there. We, we saw it in the postseason last year. Uh, we we kind of said things like that but i mean 97 and then with just a wipeout wipeout slider uh it's it's just filthy stuff and i, I think he's in th- he's definitely a top 10 guy i mean he's definitely there maybe even higher yeah i mean I, i've been blown
2: away by i guess the jump even he's making from what we thought he was going to be uh man i wish i had him in our league but uh, not someone that the one owner of league is willing to part with this off season, and uh, for good reason. I mean, he's. I would I would argue I would argue top five.
0: Well, all right. So I heard on another podcast today, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this too. If you were the Syndergaard owner, what pitcher would you trade him for? Straight up, like what's what's the end line here? So I'm just going to go through some names. Uh, I think we'd all do. Kirk, we, if we were getting Kershaw, we would trade Syndergaard for Kershaw. Yes. Yep. Um. All right. What about Chris Sale?
1: Uh, no.
0: no. No. Both said no. Um.
1: Let it be known that we both picked Chris Sale to win the AL this year. I I would take <laughs>
0: I would take Sale for Syndergaard. I would do that trade. I'm,
2: just, uh, I'm pitching in the NL East. I. I don't know. I just,
0: I would take Syndergaard. I think it's, I think that's, I think it's right even, but, um, just gonna take Sale's track record for now. Um, just, I think the youth of Syndergaard, we're gonna see some games where he's not that dominant, I think, and I just like Sale over the course of a season. Um, so I guess, like, David Price, you guys... I'd rather have Cindergaard.
1: I'd probably rather have Price. <laughs> I think that's where we differ.
0: But okay. I'm
1: a big David Price guy. Um, I think I'd, I'd, I'd take Price over guard
2: at this moment, for
0: now. Kyle, you'd take Cindergaard, right? Cindergaard. Hey, okay. Um, Arietta, or Cindergaard?
2: Take Cindergaard. Syndergaard as well. I just think uh, Arietta's season, that big jump in the innings, that scares me a little
0: bit. All right, I'm going to take Arietta there as well because when you're splitting hairs among aces there, I'll take the wins that is probably going to get over Syndergaard. So I think that, you know, you said top five. I think those are four guys at the top, unless I'm missing anyone. I think I would take Syndergaard over um all of the Indians pitchers and all of the Mets pitchers as well. And that's a lot of the top 10 there. I think he's the best one on those two staffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, we really kind of <laughs> missed the boat. We didn't really spend a whole lot of time talking about him in the, in the offseason pods. And he just kind of burst onto the scene here and just looked outstanding in these first couple couple outings. And the sky is definitely the limit for this guy.
0: Yeah, Syndergaard's been great. Um, a pitcher that's caught my eye in his first two outings he threw, um, today, Matt Latos, you know, 2-0, .75 ERA, threw well against the Twins today. Is Latos a guy that you'd be willing to kind of hit your wagon to this year? He's been a top 25 pitcher as recent as maybe two, three years ago, um, you know the chance to maybe buy low on a guy right now, that upside you know could be again maybe a top thirty, top forty pitcher. How do you guys feel about Latos?
1: I uh, kind of kicking myself had the chance to pick him up in our league, and I passed on. And these first two starts have been real nice. Um, I don't know. I still can't trust him. He has a lot of a lot of blow up potential in him uh I mean the good starts are going to be there but I just feel like the blow up starts are are somewhere on the horizon and you just you can never tell when it's going to be with him so I'm still staying away I, I want to see a little bit more out of more consistency
2: I mean for me pitching staffs um, you know I'll put anybody on my roster but in general if you're asking me uh, I don't believe in in him this year um I just, The K's aren't there. The velocity's down. I just, I don't know. I think he's going to get hit around a lot this year. Um, He's missing bats right now and getting a little lucky in my opinion. But um, I I just don't think he's going to hold up.
0: I'm going to be keeping my eye on Lados. The one thing that scares me is a fly ball pitcher um, pitching at the White Sox home stadium. doesn't really usually work out well for fly ball pitchers. Um, we saw Samarja not pitch well in that park. But I think on the road, in the, in the right scenario like it was today against Minnesota, he's a guy that I would definitely want to roster and you know pick and choose the right matchups to, to run lead us out there. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, Shane.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy you got to keep an eye on as far as free agency, waiver wire. I just don't know if I can run him out there every start and be confident. So... For me, I mean, in a deep league, 16-team league like this, yeah, he deserves probably a roster spot on someone's team just about every time he takes the bump. But I don't know if I want to be that guy.
0: All right, Shane, what, what's caught your eye the last couple of days?
1: Well, the first thing, I mean, I, I went a little selfish on this one because I, I know we talked about it. I have a lot of stock in this guy. And uh as Randall Gritchick. Uh we were definitely really concerned about the guy after the first week and he's just starting to swing the bat the last couple of days and starting to get the production that I think we, we all thought we were going to. I, I think we knew going into the season that he's going to be a pretty streaky guy. Um, he, he has a tendency to get really hot, and then he'll get, he'll have some cold streaks in him, but I was a little worried about how he swung the bat the first week, and these last two games have been a, been a good sign for, for Gritchick down there in St. Louis. Um. The other thing I wanted to bring up, I mean, I feel like we got to put a little bit of light on it. Um, The Hector Oliveira situation. Um, Eventually, they go back to the team hotel and there's a domestic uh, dispute of some kind. I haven't read all the details yet, but I mean, could be a quick in and out of uh, Major League Baseball for this guy uh, who once was a pretty promising guy just last year and early this year. What are you guys' thoughts on Hector Oliver?
0: We're not going to see him for a little while, I don't think. Um, I don't know if we see him again this season. I, I don't. I'm not sure where this goes. You know the. <clears throat> I guess the grounds have been set at 30 games with the Chapman issue, but that one I think was, um, maybe a little less clear on what happened. Um, I think we're going to see some hard evidence in this. that's going to put him away off the field for a long time.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with you, Matt. I think uh, I think this is going to be one of those times where they bring the hammer down um, and kind of just set the pace for what to expect in these kind of situations. And um, you're right, the the Chapman case was super unclear, and this one uh, seems to be a
0: little more clear than that. Yeah, so we'll definitely be monitoring that. Um, You're still holding on to him for the time being, Shane? Uh, I
1: have him on my bench right now, um, but it's looking like it's really only because I want to see what the seven days, he has a seven-day absence, I want to kind of see, but it also has something to do with who I'm playing this week. I don't really need the extra roster spot. Next week, he might get the heap ho. Um, I have a little tougher of a matchup next week, so probably going to get cut by then, and I'm just going to say good riddance. and. Cut your losses.
0: Yeah, I think you can safely drop him and not worry about someone else grabbing him and you know missing out on what you would have gotten from Hector Oliver at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had high hopes for the guy. I mean, I thought I might be getting a guy that, especially after the spring that he had, that maybe he hits for a high average, decent power, drives in some runs, but, I mean, it just doesn't look like it's going to materialize, if, if ever, for this guy now.
0: The weird thing, too, about him is I don't know if he ever, because of his age, really fit into the Braves rebuilding plan. I bet they were hoping um, they could get some early production out of him and probably move him for some more young guys, and that just seems to have completely flopped at this point. I, I think this is just going to not end well for the Braves and Oliveira. Um, Kyle, anything else the last couple of days for you? Anything you've seen?
2: Um, no, nothing really else to add. I mean, unless we want to start talking about uh, Phillies pitchers and Vincent Velasquez right now because man that kid has been incredible Um, you know today was it 16 strikeouts in a complete game I mean that's I mean I was expecting him to be good but he's looked great
1: it hasn't just been Velasquez either it's been the whole rotation just about I mean the Phillies starting pitching I don't have the numbers in front of me but I feel like the Phillies' starting rotation might have the best ERA in baseball right now. I I don't know that, but they got to be close. I mean, between Helixson, Velasquez, and Eikhoff, they've been really, really good. (laughs) Um, It's just been one of the storylines of of the year so far for me. I mean, the bullpen, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, We know that. We knew that going in. They were going to probably struggle to finish out some games. But the starters are certainly doing their job and getting them there. Um, and, yeah, Velasquez, he was just unreal today. Just unreal.
0: Yeah, I wish I wasn't working and I could have caught some of that game today. The 16 strikeouts, I'm going to have to see if I can go back and watch some video um, either later tonight or tomorrow night and just kind of see the swings and misses. I think he got 25 swings and misses in a ball game today. And, you know, that's just a ridiculous percentage when you're talking about stuff. He's definitely a guy that, you know, I wish I was owning. Right now, I think I have him on one of my four teams, um, but I I do have some concerns about how long he does this for, and what his innings limit may look like in Philadelphia this year.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think just where where that franchise is headed right now, they don't really have. Any reason to try and compete this year. Um, so I, I would see them definitely put an inning limit on him. Um, you know, what's coming from being a bullpen guy a little bit. So I think we'll see him get capped at some point. So he's more of, I mean, he'll help you in the regular season for a little bit, but he's more of a dynasty kind of guy in my eyes. Uh, not someone in a, a one year league that. I would look to target too heavily just because the price is going to be high and you just might not get him when you need him at the end.
0: Yeah, Eikhoff too. I think we need to talk about him. Shane, you're the Eikhoff owner. He's a guy I like too this year. You got him at a good price. You have to be pretty excited about Jared Eichhoff right now.
1: Yeah, it was really high on Eikhoff going into our draft. I ended up getting him for, well, I think it was five bucks. I'm not sure if it was five or six. Um, but... Everything I read on this guy, they, they said that he has the potential to be a stud in this league, uh, be a number number two starter, maybe even better. Um, and obviously the way he closed out last year with, uh, I guess it was the back-to-back double-digit strikeout games, I mean, it looks like that might have been a real deal. Um, I don't know that he is going to be that 9, 10 strikeout a game guy, but certainly 6, 7, I mean, seems feasible for this guy. The stuff's there. He, he has good command. And... I really think that he can be a, a solid number number
0: two guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so it's kind of recapping the last couple of days, even the last week. Um, all right, so time for a little bit of trivia with the way the player rankings look right now. Um, I got a question for you guys. Do you guys know who is the top rated closer on the player raider right now?
1: I would
0: say Jonathan Papelbon. No. He is fourth. Third.
2: Jenmar Gomez.
0: Not correct also. Alright, the answer is... Houston Street. Four and a third. He's got a win, which helps him. Three saves. Only two strikeouts, but he hasn't allowed a... Um, hasn't allowed a run yet Or A base runner So a whip of zero ERA of zero Four and a third Completely clean innings A win and three saves to his name um, I thought that was interesting because You know we all pick the Angels to finish last In the AL West And usually you don't want to closer on a bad team um, But he's about as steady as relief pitchers come And I don't think he gets a lot of love For how good he's really been with what I consider to be very limited stuff.
1: He just seems like a guy that goes out and battles. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching him in college. He played. I think he played third base for Texas, didn't he? And then he would come in and close games out. Um, he just seems like he's he's just a good player. I mean, he goes out there and battles. He doesn't have great stuff, doesn't overpower you, but he, he's just going to battle you till the end, and I mean, that's what he's done his whole career. And the, the thing you got to like about Street is, He's got pretty good job security. I mean, I don't, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he, he's going to be their guy. Um, don't see anyone coming up and taking his job, even if he has a few bad outings. So you got to like what you're seeing from from Street.
0: Kyle, any comments on Street? You look perplexed.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really don't have much to add from what Shane said. I think you know, I think he's right about the job security and. Um, You know, exciting just to see a guy that people probably got fairly cheap in their drafts starting out so well. All
0: right, Um, and then, all right, so that's our pitcher trivia question, hitter trivia question. Um, You know, we spent a lot of time talking about how weak the middle infield was um, in baseball. But today, on April 14th, four out of the top five players offensively on the player raider are middle infielders. Can you guys name the four out of the top five other than Josh Donaldson that make up the top four, top five hitters on the player raider?
1: Do you want us to do this separately?
0: No, you guys, you know. Let's
1: I think, go back and forth. I think right. we can figure it out. Um, do you want the easy one first or you want to go first or second, Kyle? Uh,
2: I'll go first. I think
1: I have three of the names, so. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think so, too. Um, Eugenio
0: Suarez. He's second.
2: Uh, Trevor Story.
0: He's first.
1: Gene Segura.
0: He is fifth.
1: And Carlos Correa.
0: Incorrect. Ooh. You strayed away from your own team.
1: Ah, Jose Altuve.
0: Yes, Altuve. Um, The six stolen bases definitely help him. Two home runs. He just added a third tonight. So, you know, 10 days into the season, and Altuve's got three home runs <laughs> and six stolen bases. Shane, you got to love that production from your, uh, your best player.
1: Yeah, he's clearly the best player on my team. Um, <laughs> Maybe the best power hitter, too. <laughs> he might be the best power hitter on my team, uh, which is pretty sad. Um, at this point, I can't trade him to anyone. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know if I, I can get rid of the guy, because he's the only one doing anything for me. Um, he's just been outstanding. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean what, what uh what number is correa on there he's got to be somewhere in the uh numbers.
0: correa is probably about 15th without me counting uh the other thing i wanted to add is after those five players um it's followed up by three more third basemen: machado tyler white and nolan arenado and then another middle infielder and in ian kinsler so the top 10 are all middle infielders and third baseman no outfielders or first baseman. I mean, T- White is a first baseman, but he's got third base eligibility. So no outfielders or first baseman in the top ten on the player raider. Um, and then there's guys a little further down, Correa, LeMahieu, Daniel Murphy. So middle infield is well represented right now.
1: Where's uh, Where's Robbie Cano on
0: there? Um, Outside the top 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's hitting 189, so yeah. that's what doesn't help so, so him. Top outfielder on the player, Raider, Angel Pagan, followed by Jeremy Hazelbaker. For everybody that had that on April 14th, <laughs> Pagan and Hazelbaker as the top two outfitters, um, go play the lottery right now because uh, you guys are luckier than you think you are. Um, all right, so that's that's trivia tonight. We'll be coming back with more trivia each each episode, trying to have some fun with where guys fall in the player raider. Honest, um, I think they messed up, though. I think Bryce Harper should be number one because he's the best player in baseball. Right, Kyle?
2: Best player
0: in the world. Grand slam today from uh, from Harper, 100th home run of his career. So um, Now they got
2: number 100 out of the way. He's done pressing, and he's just going to take his time and rake.
0: Yeah, he's only, you know, 662 away from <laughs> from Bonds' record, I think. Alright, so now I want to talk about some guys who are stock-up that we weren't high on before. Um, I got some names in mind. I'll start out. My three guys, Gene Segura, who we already just mentioned. He's, you know, fifth hitter on the player Raider, 412 batting average, three homers, one of them was an inside the park, five RBIs, two stolen bases, 460 OBP. I'm not sure this can last, um, but I don't see why he can't finish as a top five shortstop this season. We saw him in his rookie campaign, um, I think hit like maybe 10 to 15 home runs and steal 30 bags. So, obviously, that's very, very valuable at the shortstop position, and I'm starting to kind of feel like he just needed to get out of Milwaukee. He had a lot of bad memories, obviously. We know about the loss of his son there, and I think a change of scenery really helped this guy. Still not sure he should be the long-term leadoff option in Arizona, because I don't think this OBP sticks. I think he's more like a, a 325 OBP guy rather than you know up around the 400 mark, but... Definitely impressed with what Segura's been doing.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to be impressed, and you hope for his sake that, that it was just the change of scenery that he needed, but I think it's just being in that Arizona lineup, being ahead of, hitting in front of Paul Goldschmidt, um, is certainly going to be really beneficial. And, I mean, I'm, I'm kicking myself again because I was so high on the guy in the, in the offseason and just didn't pony up in, the, in our draft to get him. Um, it's nice that we, we own him in our one league, so that is nice, but... Um, I'm really wishing that I had him on my squad. I, I think it's going to be a big year for Segura. This obvious, this pace isn't going to stick, but I think it's going to be a really nice season.
0: Kyle, you're the former Segura owner in our league. Uh, what are your thoughts on your old player?
2: Well, Segura is actually a guy I was going to mention too for this. and um, Man, I was way wrong. I, I specifically remember our podcast, and I said I was just out on Segura. I just thought he was going to go for more than I wanted to spend, and I was just flat out. Um, So to see the production he's having is just, it's incredible to see. I mean, considering, you know, 2015, he only hit six homers and 560 at-bats. 2014, he only hit five and 513 at-bats. So he's 34 at-bats into the season, and he's almost at his total for the last two years, uh, at least average-wise, and... Um, Now you mentioned that you think he's like a 325 OVP guy. Looking at his three-year average, he's a 300 OVP guy. So he's like really exceeding expectations. Um, And obviously not to this magnitude, but I think think he's here to stay. I think he's going to stick. He looks more patient um, at the plate, and he has that security behind him. Uh, With some good bats, so I
0: think he's going to see some good pitches continually. Kyle, Tom, your buddy Tom is the Segura owner in our league. Um, You got him at a reasonable price. I think it's like sixteen bucks. Mm -hmm. Have you had any conversations with Tom? You know, Tom's goal is obviously to play for 2018 and beyond. He doesn't have much um, in the terms I think of staying power this season, even though he's had a nice start to the year. Have you had any conversations with him about? what his plan is maybe to move Segura um right now at his highest value or is he holding on to him hoping that he's gonna long term be the player he was two three years ago when he was a rookie
2: yeah I'm sure you're not surprised that I've already talked to him about Segura um especially considering the way my middle infielder uh, and shortstop Kettle Marte started off uh just playing slow um I've asked about Segura in a trade just to see what his interest would be to move him, and he said he's hanging on to him for a while, and he believes in him, and he thinks that uh, the stock's going to go up.
0: All right, I was just curious to see you know, if he wanted to flip him for some prospects or um, if he's going to hold and hope that he can be one of the mainstays for the next couple of years on his squad. So
1: I'll go out on a limb right now and say <clears> that Segura does not make the season out on Tom's team.
2: I think you're probably right. I just think he's waiting. I think he wants. There's just al- point, it's only a couple games into the year, and he wants just some more uh, proof.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't see him selling him. I mean, I'm not talking in the next couple of weeks. I um, mean, I think he lets him bloom a little bit, but there's a lot of contending <clears throat> teams I see that are going to really want that. They're going to be going after that middle infield wherever they can get it, and I I think Segura is going to. Gonna bring back a nice return for, for a rebuilding team like Tom's.
0: All right, next guy that I am stock up on right now that I was down on before. I'm gonna eat some crow here because I made a trade offer for him the other day. It got turned down, but um, Francisco Lindor. <clears throat> I didn't like this guy. I didn't think that, I thought he was more Omar Vizquel. Um, You know defensive gem who was going to be a real light hitter But he's hitting three in the Cleveland lineup And I think that's a big deal I don't think he stays at the three hole when Brantley comes back But I think he's probably their two hitter then Um, He's hitting 304, 360 OBP Only one homer and only one stolen base Um, But I'm a big believer in high contact guys And I think he's one of them And I'm going to go out here and say that I I think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy shortstop for a very long time. Um, So I'm kind of up on Lindor when I was really down on him to start the year.
1: Yeah. Lindor's tough for me. I think we were both a little bit down on him in the beginning of the year. I just don't know if there's going to be enough power there for me to get too excited about this guy. He's certainly gonna be a top ten guy. I I agree with you there. I just I'm seeing eight nine home runs. That's what I'm saying. Um, the average is gonna be there. He's gonna put the ball in play a lot. Um, I'm by no means I'm I saying that I, I wouldn't want the guy on my team, but I'm just I don't know if the power is ever gonna really show up. Um, I think it's gonna be more of a hey you're gonna hit around three hundred. You're gonna you're gonna steal a decent amount of bags for me, but I'm not gonna really really need you for. Uh, Spot any power? That's how I see Lindor.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think you were a little lower on him than I was. So I don't know that my opinion's changed much. Uh, you know, I think I've, we all spoke to the fact that we don't know that the power is there to stay, and I still don't believe that it is. Um, I see him being a, a high average guy, and um, you know, getting on base a lot. So um, you know, we'll see if the steals ramp up at all or, or the power stays. But uh, I think I think it's pretty much right now what we're seeing is what you're going to get.
0: The thing I just get excited about when you're talking about the shortstop position outside of Carlos Correa none of them are hitting three in the lineup anywhere. I mean, Story's hitting two. Suarez, I think, is hitting two. But that three-hole as we talked about in the last podcast you're going to have the ability to drive in some runs and you know RBIs and runs scored out of the out of the shortstop position, uh, I th- I find incredibly valuable. So I don't know if the power needs to be there for him to do um, what he needs to do for a team uh, as their shortstop.
1: No, definitely. There's something to be said for for batting in the three hole. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know that he sticks in the three hole, but anytime you're in the middle of the order, you got to be on someone's team. And it adds that increased value. Just just by sheer volume of what you're going to get, I mean, as far as every plate appearance. So, I mean, yeah, if he sticks in that three hole, obviously his value gets increased.
0: All right, last guy that I want to kind of say that I'm I'm all aboard, another guy on Tom's team, Yasiel Puig, 394 batting average, 500 OBP, 636 slug, only one homer, and again, only one stone base. Four RBIs, seven runs scored. My point about Puig is, last year he was a consensus second-round pick. And he's arguably one of the most exciting players. He is one of the most exciting players in baseball. There's no argument about it. Um, He should have been a second-rounder again this year. Because his talent is no different than guys that were being drafted second, third round. Like... Starling Marte, Charlie Blackman, A.J. Pollock. This is the type of player Puig is. And um, as long as he stays healthy, we're looking at a top five, top ten outfielder. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> nope. Doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Uh,
1: not in on him. Uh, I'm not going to trust the guy. It just doesn't do it for me, man.
0: Uh. Alright, you're a baseball coach, so he doesn't do it for you. But this guy can play. You just don't. You would not want to coach someone like Yasiel Puig. No,
1: absolutely not. I mean, I wouldn't want him on my team. Um, we are talking fantasy baseball, so obviously there's talent there. The guy can put up numbers. Just doesn't do it for me, man. I don't know. I wouldn't even want him on my fantasy team. Yeah, <clears throat> there's not enough power. There, there's, it's just average speed. I, I
0: don't know. There. All right. So there's 40 double, 10 triple. 15 homer, 15 steal potential, and I think that's the floor. I think he could put up a 50-double season with 10 triples, 20-plus homers, and 20-plus steals. And I think he could do it hitting 280. That's a monster season. Monster. Top five top five hitter in the game, not even outfielder, <laughs> if you put up those numbers. Tell me I'm wrong. You,
1: you take him on your team and... <clears throat> I'll
0: I'm fine. gonna try I'll be fine with I'm this. gonna try
2: <laughs> you go ahead you guys battled out you get him from Tom I think he's a, I think he's a sell high candidate I don't like Puig. I sold him in our league um, it's not looking like a great trade but um, I just I don't like the guy I don't like his attitude um, he's so streaky so I'm not surprised that he's you know hitting well right now but at some point he's gonna fall off. Um, you know, you mentioned his floor, I think we saw it last year, uh, you know, 255. I mean, it was limited at bats, but, you know, 11 home runs weren't too exciting. Only three stolen bases. Um, I just, I'm not ready to, to buy on Puig yet. I think he's a whole lot of bad.
0: It's not, it's not fair to call someone's floor, what they did in an injury-shortened season. I don't think that's fair. I'm saying his floor in a season where he has 150 games is 40 doubles, 5 triples instead of 10. Sorry. (laughs) 15 (laughs) homers and 15 steals. And even that is... That's A.J. Pollock. And he was a back end of the first-round pick this year. So...
1: Yeah, I'm not, you're not going to convince me. <clears throat> That's fine. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm right, so I don't need to convince you. Can be, you. you can I can convince one, myself.
1: You can go ahead and give up your three prospects and cash. For I
0: the will team. carry the Yasiel Puig <laughs> flag on this podcast. That's fine. That's Do fine. It. I don't want to. I will wear the number 66 proudly. All right. Who else are you guys up on that you were down on?
1: I had one name here that... I also had Segura written down. I think we were all in agreement there. Here's a name. I know you don't. You hate the guy, so we might not have a long talk. But I think Kyle's going to like where I'm going with this. I'm in on the Jay Bruce train. <laughs> um, I think we might see something this year out of this guy. Um, he's off to a good start. Has 10 ribbies already. He's hitting 300. Um, I don't know. I'm just a fan of the guy. I, I, th- I think it might be a quietly,
2: quietly good year for Jay Bruce. I love Jay Bruce.
0: <laughs> we we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I'm surprised
2: that I love Jay Bruce, but I don't know. I just I think there's what's nice for him is there's no pressure this year. Um, not that there necessarily was last year, but um, you know he can just kind of play baseball. Doesn't really have to worry about winning games, even though they are. And he just looks calmer at the plate. I've gotten to see him. You know, take a few at-bats this year, just being a Reds fan, watching games. Um, he just looks calmer. Uh, he's still striking out and not taking any walks, but um, he just looks calm. His approach looks good. He's seen the ball well. and um, I think he's going to be able to get his stock up so that the Reds can move him and get some pieces. I,
0: I don't hate Jay Bruce, first of all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the fact that he got traded... With Lucas Giolito for Andrew McCutcheon in our league. That's what I don't like about Jay Bruce. And again, we're going to talk about Kyle being on the receiving end of a soft trade. So, you know, we had a lot of personal discussions about this the last couple days, and I just found more hard-cut, clear evidence that Kyle is a thief.
2: It was a fair trade at the time. (laughs)
0: I'm glad that this conversation
1: happened through text message, because if it happened in person, I feel like I would have got just smashed in the middle of you two, <laughs> and just would have been pummeled, with fists flying everywhere, and
2: god, it was it was a, it was a huge cat fight, but... I, I have to say, I, I honestly at no point was angry.
0: I wasn't either. Yeah. I, I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm not angry.
2: Alright, back to
1: Jay Bruce. I mean, just... A couple of years ago, I mean, 2013, the guy hits 30 bombs, 260, drives in 109 runs. I mean, is it possible we can, that he, this this guy can get back to those numbers? Because I mean, I know you you're, I know you don't hate Jay Bruce, but you've been down on the guy in the past, especially the past couple of years, and I mean, deservingly so. He he's been pretty bad the past couple of years. Uh, with with the batting average really dipped, um, the power declined a little bit, um. But he's still only 29 years old, and I know the lineup's not great. It's not as good as it was, but it's. I, I still see – can we see a 240, 250 with 25 homers from him this year?
0: Yeah, we can see a 250 batting average and 25 homers. Probably see about 70 runs batted in because he's on the Reds. Um, but the point that him being 29 years old is, I think, a great one to make because it feels like he should be on his retirement tour this year. It feels like he's been in the league for 15-plus years. He plays the game like he's about 38, I feel like. You know, he came into the league and he ran a little bit. He doesn't run at all anymore. Um, Bruce is fine, and I've I've tossed around the idea in my head of making an offer for Jay Bruce just because, you know, the 25 homers in a 16-team league is super valuable. So I definitely see some value there with Bruce as well. Um but the batting average isn't going to be at 300 at the end of the year nah. what it is right now. So
1: I guess the what brought me to Bruce when I was looking at, at stuff for, for today's show is he's, he's another guy that's going to get moved at some point this year. Yes. Um, he's in the last year of his contract in <clears> our league. <throat> um, so, I mean, obviously, it's never too early to start looking at which guys are going to be uh, changing, changing teams throughout the year. And obviously, you're always looking to improve your squad. But... I mean, Bruce is, Bruce is going to go somewhere, so someone's going to end up buying him. What what kind of return do you think this guy can get?
0: <clears throat> um, I would say if Tom waits long enough, he can get two top 50 prospects. I think if he sold him right now, he could get one top 40 prospect for him. Uh, that's my opinion. Kyle, what do you think?
2: It it would depend later what the demand is for for an outfielder. Um, But if you had had, if I was making an offer on him now, yeah, I would offer pretty much any of my minor league players because they're terrible. Um, And then you know maybe a pick. So, Uh, but the the issue with his team, uh, not to get too much into our league, is just that he has so many minor players already that. He's getting to the point since we cap at twenty that you know it's gonna have to be a pretty good minor league player for him to wanna take him in a deal.
0: Yeah, no, you definitely have a, I have a valid point there. Um, if I was making an offer for Bruce right now, it would probably be a guy like Brandon Drury, a guy in my minor league system. Has some potential to be, you know, a middle infielder, outfield, third base eligibility guy. It's what I like about Drury and the fact that he's kinda got that professional hitter mantra, but Um, that's, that's what I see the value on Bruce right now. Fair enough. Kyle, any guys that you're, that you're high on right now?
2: Yeah, um, Adrian Beltre, he was, uh, a little bit of our text discussions, he came up, and it made me really take a step back and look at what he's doing. Um, you know, when we had our podcast on third baseman, Again, he was a guy that I said I wanted to stay away from because I felt like the name was too big for what, you know, you might get from him. I figured out, we always figure out, at some point he's got to start falling off. But 37 years old, and he just doesn't care. He just doesn't care how old he is, and he just hits the ball hard. And um, he's looking good, batting, you know, over 300, uh, OBP over 350, uh, two bombs, nine ribbies. I mean, he's legit.
1: For me, I mean, this is just the, the cementing <laughs> that I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame for Adrian Beltre. Um, I don't know if he can sustain what he's doing all year long. Obviously, he's got to slow down at some point, but I mean, the production is, is still there and he's just cementing that, you know what, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame when, when my career is over. Um, I don't know when that's going to be probably next couple years he'll be over but yeah this is a Hall of Fame third baseman and I think we just have to sit back and appreciate what he's doing
2: Shane I'll disagree with one thing he said a couple years for him to be done at this rate he's going to be done at 47 I mean (laughs) he just keeps hitting the ball I I don't get it Um, his body doesn't seem to be breaking down that much it's just it's incredible what he's doing
1: we got another Julio Franco on our hands that's what I was just going (laughs) to
0: say with the Rangers and that body Um, I I don't know. I I don't think he'll end up in the Hall of Fame, and I think it's going to be a crime, unfortunately. Um, I just think he gets overshadowed, and I think it's because of the couple years he had in Seattle after that big year in L.A., and people just don't realize what kind of a career he had. Um, I'm super biased here, but Jim Edmonds made it one year on the ballot, and he's gone. And that, that guy, kind of a similar player. He was a top 10 MVP candidate for, you know, five, seven years and a multi-gold glove winner. Um, I'm not saying is going to fall off the ballot after one year, but I'm not sure it's a slam dunk either.
1: I mean, just looking at the numbers.
0: Now, let me just finish that with the Hall of Fame's a sham. They should probably blow up the whole thing and not allow any of these guys to vote anymore. And just make it a museum and put all the great players in it because the people that vote for the Hall of Fame probably behind, um, belong behind bars. They're criminals.
1: <laughs> I mean, 415 home runs right now. So you got to figure he's going to finish his career somewhere north of 450, roughly. I mean, uh, who knows how long he plays, like we, like we discussed. Um, going to be... Somewhere around 285. He's a 285 career hitter. I mean, this guy's just been really good for for a long period of time, and he might be right. But I, I really, I really think that this may be one more good year can can cement him in, in Cooperstown.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I, don't, I don't know that I have another stock up guy, but if we're doing stock up, I got a stock down. Um, I made a prediction that. Matt's would win the Rookie of the Year, and that last start was atrocious. Um, we one point two innings, seven earned runs, only one K against a lineup that I don't think is that exciting outside of John Carlos Stanton. Um, I mean, he just got crushed, and I mean,
0: again. I don't want to get too excited. It's only one start, but uh, that was disappointing to see. Yeah, that was a a bad outing. Um, I I watched those first two innings, and they were just teeing off on him. Um, Apparently, I found out the next day that the Marlins seemed to dominate left-handed pitching. They seemed to hit it really well, so I wonder if that had something to do with it. But he just looked lost out there. Um, And he was a guy that was going in the top 30 starting pitchers and drafts which I thought was insane to begin with because we had no <clears throat> track record to go off that so if you're a match owner I don't think you're super thrilled right now because there's a good chance you were you had super high expectations and I'm not sure he's gonna live up to him yet this year
1: yeah I don't think he's not gonna be that bad I mean I think he's still gonna have a nice year but I think we need to temper <clears throat> our expectations Maybe he's just not quite as good as, as we thought. The, the hype was really high with this guy, especially last year. He comes in in his first start. Didn't he hit a home run in his first start as well? I mean, there was just a lot of hypes around the he
0: guy. He had like three hits, I think, and then pitched six great innings or something.
1: Yeah. And just being on that Mets staff, I think maybe bolstered bolstered his uh, his value in some people's eyes as well. And I think he's going to slide more into that number... Number three, four role uh, of starting pitchers.
0: All right, next thing I want to do on the podcast, and I want this to kind of be another mainstay of the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. One of my favorite things to do um, when prospects are coming up is to comp them, you know, make a comparison to a major league player and kind of give a prediction of what you think this guy is going to be. You yeah. know, everybody that comes up, <clears throat> everyone wants him to be the next Mike Trout. And we know that that's not realistic because there is only one Mike Trout, one Bryce Harper, guys like that. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that these prospects can not live up to their billing as being top ten players but still be really valuable, useful players. Um I nailed one this year I think with Tyler White being good Alan Craig Um, I think that that has some staying power so I want to kind of start talking about either rookies that just come up or guys that are gonna be coming up soon and seeing what you guys expect them to be so this week um, we saw Nomar Mazzara get called up due to Shinsu Chu going on the DL for what looks to be about four to six weeks so I'm interested to hear what you guys have for a Nomar Mazzara comp um, in baseball right now. Hey Kyle, yeah, I,
2: I just uh, <clears throat> saw a couple of his at bats here. I was watching the the game against the Orioles, and when he stepped into the box, um, you know, he, he just reminded me of Carlos Gonzalez. Um, and I think that that tall frame he has, a little bit of an open stance, um, a guy that's five-tool. Um, so that that's that's the name that popped in my mind. A, a healthy Carlos Gonzalez, a guy that's gonna make good contact, um, can run a little bit, and you know, is that tall lefty?
0: It's funny because that's exactly the player I had for him too.
1: I'm gonna go a little different direction. I'm, I'm gonna go Jason Hayward with a little more pop, um, but just like you said, a little bit. Of, he can do a little bit of everything.
0: Isn't Jason Hayward with more pop? Carlos Gonzalez.
1: <laughs> I guess you can make an argument there. Hayward was the guy that came to my mind. So, I mean,
0: uh, go no, ahead. no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just. I don't out, think but... he's as
1: good as. I don't think he's gonna be a Carlos go, as good as cargo. So, yeah,
0: you know. maybe maybe not. Cargo of three, four years ago, um, because obviously cores and I think inflated his numbers a little bit, but um, I think that's a decent, that's a decent comp. I think it's probably gonna be somewhere in, in between the two of them, Cargo and Hayward. <clears throat> that's fair. And either one, I think, if you're the Mazar owner, you'd be happy with. Who is the Mazar owner in our league?
1: Uh, take Ball. one guess.
0: Tom. No. Billy. Ball. Ball. Ball course great awesome in my division all right next guy <clears throat> trey turner he's been tearing it up in uh, AAA triple a for the nationals another guy I made a trade offer for this week that was quickly turned down um interested to hear what you guys think trey Turner is gonna be <clears throat>
1: do you think this I honestly have no idea with this guy um, we talked him up a lot in the preseason um, there's obviously a lot of potential there I'm not sure I'm not sure on this guy I, I don't know what we're going to get from him <laughs> I, I honestly don't even have a, I don't even have a confidence guy I don't even know
2: yeah I mean Sorry to throw you on the spot there if you didn't have an answer. But, um, you know, he's a guy that I personally was going to take over Trevor's story in our previous podcast. Um, So I guess I got to defend the guy in some way, shape, or form. Um, So I'm saying Ian Desmond, uh, slightly higher average.
0: Um, I think I'm going to go with Pedroia. I, obviously, the size is a little different. You know, Turner's six one, but I think Pedroia-type production um, is what we're going to see from him.
1: So you, you don't think that it's going to be more average than it, is, uh, than it is power, necessarily? Yeah, he's,
0: he's 10, 15 homers, I, I think. But I think he's just going to be a really good player. That's kind of how I feel about Padre.
1: Well, going back to the the Turner-Storey battle, I mean, I know we laugh about it. We have a lot of talks about it. Um, like I said, I, I think this guy's going to end up being better than Story. So I think I'm going to fall in more with you, cause He's, he's just going to be a really steady player. Um, obviously, Story's broken out here in the early going. I, I think that Turner's going to be more of that, that steady production throughout the course of the season. I, I think we're going to see Story drop off at some point here.
0: Yeah, um, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think Trevor Story is going to finish the season with as a home run total. 24.
2: 15.
0: Alright, I think he's got a chance to hit 30. He got robbed of the two last night that because Coors raised their fences. Um, they ended up being triples, but both of them would have been out in last year's Coors Field.
1: See, I kind of got hosed in this segment because I, I, I wrote down a bunch of guys I thought you were going to throw at us. The story was one of them. And I have down for him Trevor Plouffe. Um, I, I just think it I, – I don't know. I think the, the lows of this guy are going to be pretty low. Um, obviously, there's pop there. But I'm, I'm seeing, like, 20 home runs with, like, 240 average.
0: Yeah, um, I think he's going to run more than Ploof. Um, Not sure. I'm thinking like maybe uh, Brett Boone, maybe type numbers from him.
2: Brett Boone on the juice? Yeah, Brett Boone on
0: the juice, (laughs) yes.
2: I'll take a healthy Brandon Phillips. Oh, God.
0: For story?
1: For story. Wow.
0: You think that's good?
1: I don't think
0: he's gonna be that good. Oh, so you like Phillips? When
1: when Phillips like Phillips now or when Phillips was
2: when Phillips was good
0: when young. I don't feel like he was ever good. But you
2: didn't like him then, cause could did not like
0: him. Cause I just Brandon didn't...
2: Phillips was it's really bad. good. Like okay,
0: what We're was I good. want to know what his best season was? If someone can pull that up, and we'll come back to that. I want to know what Phillips' best stat line was, and while you're doing that, let's go to the next guy, Blake Snell. Snell's a guy we expect to see in Tampa at some point this year. I know they've had conversations about locking him up to a long-term deal while he's still in the minors. Um, His two starts so far this year, he's gone nine innings and struck out 14 batters. Um, My comp for Blake Snell is Cole Hamels. He's a guy that is a top 25 pitcher but is sometimes forgotten about. Um, you know, a tall lefty, tall lanky lefty. Um, that's that's what I got for Blake Snell.
1: Um, I know there's a lot of comparisons out there saying David Price. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be David Price. Um, I think Snell could be a could be a really big bust candidate in my opinion. Uh, I'm I'm thinking <laughs> more along the lines of a guy like Ted Lilly. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Lilly, when he, when he, Ted Lilly when he was <laughs> when he was decent. Um, that's just the name that came to mind for me. I, I don't I don't think he's gonna be a star, but I think he's gonna be solid. He's gonna be good. Yuck.
0: Ted, Ted Lilly could get innings on Kyle Staff right now, I think.
2: Ted Lilly was a solid fantasy pitcher for. I would throw Ted Lilly every <laughs> game if he was out there
0: right now. <laughs> you guys want to check
1: the numbers on Ted Lilly? He was a viable fantasy starter for. A long time.
2: Alright, so I'm going Man, I hate to say it because you brought it up, but a, a poor man's uh, David Price I think is is him. Um, and it's hard to not mention a guy that came up through the race too in Matt Moore that struck out a ton of people too. Um, I think that is potentially his floor. Um,
1: but to go back to Brandon Phillips, just because I brought it up. Cause isn't going to be happy about this, by the way. You need to respect the man. <laughs> he had,
2: in 2007, 30, pretty... 30 home runs, 32 stolen bases, that 288.
0: This was in Cincinnati? Yeah.
2: This was in Cincinnati. Second year there. Okay. First year there, he was 17-25. and 25. The year after that one, after his 30-30, he was 21-23, then
0: 20-25. All right. Well, I mean, th- that's good, I guess, for, you know, a couple years. So then, um, so
1: then after that, he drops down to, like, an 18-15, guys. I think that's where you're, you're kind of slotting Turner in it, if I'm correct, Kyle.
2: Yep. Yeah, you're thinking more of the, the high high teens for, for both. Absolutely. And might sneak into 2020 at some point.
0: I will completely admit that my Brandon Phillips hatred is only because I'm a Cardinals fan. So that NL Central bias we talked about um, definitely holds true for that man. <laughs> and I still have no respect for him. So
2: <laughs> We need to make baseball fun again. And Brandon Phillips makes baseball fun.
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Not a fan, but I guess he did have some value. That was nine years ago, too, (laughs) by the way. And that dude's still playing, and people still think he's an all-star second baseman, and he's not.
2: Well, he was good last year for the price I paid.
0: Yeah, he had, what, like 90 RBIs and 20 stolen bases last year?
1: 70 rubies. 23
0: stolen bags. Yeah, see, that's just ridiculous. He shouldn't be doing that still. Whatever. I hate Brandon Phillips. <laughs> seems, seems like a great guy. He does a lot for the Cincinnati community, but he needs to lay off Yachty and the Cardinals because they're just better than him.
2: I can't argue with that.
0: <laughs> Alright. um, Stein, Kenta Maeda. What do you think about Maeda? You've got to be happy so far.
1: Yeah, got to be jacked up about what we're seeing from the from the Japanese import here. Um, he's just been outstanding, been outstanding. Uh, his First two starts.
0: What what are you? You said you had other comps. What what else did you have down other than the re- most ridiculous one I've ever heard of? <laughs> Ploof for story <laughs> and Ted Lilly for Blake Snow.
2: If if you were gonna tell me we talk about Ted Lilly tonight, <laughs> I would have thought you're. I'm gonna crazy. look up
0: some numbers for the next
1: podcast, and you guys are gonna be wowed. By what Ted Lilly did in three or four of his seasons.
0: Yeah, if you wanted like five innings, two hits, one run, you know that just that's great. And then the next five innings, nine runs, he was terrible.
1: We'll see. Well, some of the other ones, I thought I thought you were gonna throw at me. I never know; you always surprise me. I never knew what you're gonna throw at me, but I thought you were going with uh, some rookies like Corey Seager. Uh, I have down here Darren Erstad. Uh, kind of guy that's gonna hit maybe 15 homers, but he's gonna steal about 20 bags, a little over 20 bags, but he's gonna hit for a decent average.
0: Seeger, Seeger to me is Longoria in his prime. You know, high 20s, maybe 15 stolen bases. Um, I like him to Longoria.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little lower on the power there for Seeger. So, um, Byron Buxton, I think we'll all enjoy this one. This one seems obvious, but I'm going B.J. Upton. <laughs> um, I see I see people out there comparing him, Andrew McCutcheon, and I, I don't think it's going to get to that level.
0: I'm starting to wonder if it's Billy Hamilton, <laughs> which I, I guess Billy Hamilton that doesn't run as, BJ, as much as B.J. Upton, <laughs> so um, that might be good.
2: So are we talking B.J. Upton or Melvin Upton? Because I think they're very different players. I think it's
0: Melvin <laughs> Upton Jr. I think we're talking yes. about now.
2: <laughs> yeah I think that actually yeah, I agree with that one I like it
1: um, and then
2: obviously for Maeda
1: it's just too easy to, to say he's just Iwakuma be a little better <laughs> Yeah, um, they're, they're so similar um, low whip guys uh, not going to wow you with with strikeout totals but really solid just solid efforts
0: what would you guys think of my, my Kepler as Markakis?
1: I can see that that's pretty good um, not gonna be a whole lot of power there. Yeah, but who's gonna hit the ball. Yeah, um,
2: I might be wrong, but does Kepler run a little better than Marquez?
0: Yeah, I'm, I I have to go. I'd have to go back and look to see if Marquez ran when he was with the Orioles. I feel like yeah. he probably did, um, maybe like the twenty steel variety. But yeah, Kepler, I think will run more than the Marquez we know now.
2: Yeah, I think the rest of it looks good though on that one. I think that's a good
0: comparison. Yeah, and I I think you're spot on with Maeda's um, Iwakuma Plus. I don't think he's as good as Nomo, um, which I still think, I guess, is the best Japanese pitcher we've seen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Maybe, you know, Tanaka, but healthier. Tanaka's pretty good still. Um, You just got to worry about the arm with him, so... Yeah, I think we'll have some fun doing these comps throughout the year, especially if we're going to bring up guys like uh, Ted Lilly when we're talking about these things. So
2: <laughs> I need to go back in my time machine, man, because Simon's bringing out names that I wasn't ready to think about. Darren Erstad, man.
1: I thought we were going to have some fun with this. I didn't know we were going like current player comps. I thought we were going like a little bit back. Darren Erstad was one of my favorite players. That's kind of what drew me to that one, but I feel like there's similarities there.
0: No, I'm a, I am love Darstad too.
2: I would love to hear from our fans just um, how many really remember Darren Erstad if we need to uh, to talk about these guys or um, keep it a little younger for whoever's listening. <laughs> so if you're listening out there, let us know if uh, you remember Darren Erstad and Ted Lilly and his prime. <laughs>
0: yeah, and if you remember the roided out Brett Boone too.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All
0: right, um, I think this wraps up. This episode of Red Triangle Sports Baseball Podcast. Um, just having a fun, a ton of fun, you know, talking baseball with you guys and watching baseball. Like Shane and Kyle always say, it's just good to have it back every day in our lives. It's the it's the one constant for six months of the year. I can always, you know, count on a Kyle Stramera trade offer or something to go down just about every day. So, um, it's definitely good to have that routine through the summer months, so... You guys got anything before we wrap this up?
1: Uh, I'm just looking forward to the next podcast when I hit you guys with some, some Ted Lilly noise. Uh, talk about how, how solid this guy was for about a four year stretch, I believe it was. So, looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just pumped that uh, you had to bow down to the best second baseman in the NL Central.
0: Right now? Ever. Ever. <laughs> Okay. Interesting. Uh, we
2: know that's not serious, but you had a bow down.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean I know he had good years. I, I definitely didn't think they were that good, so um I appreciate you hitting me with that noise. Um, you know, as always, like I said, find us on uh Twitter at Red Triangle twenty three. Um my Twitter is Coach Cause twenty three. Stein's is Stein four six three and Kyle's coach Case Stram Twelve. I'll make sure to include them um, <clears throat> in the tweet from Red Triangle Twenty Three for the podcast. And here, what do we have? Another Kansas City Royals win. Just keep keep winning ball games, doing what they do. Um, the second best team in the state of Missouri. Signing off for Red Triangle Sports. I'm Matt Kozlowski. Thanks for listening, guys.